Hi everyone and welcome back to Joe Mo. I'm your host Charlie and today we'll be discussing one of my favorite MCU movies, Captain America Civil War, the first film of Phase 3 and the third and last Captain America movie. So, let's go! Okay, I have to start by apologizing in advance. This is going to be a really long one. I have so many notes on this movie. Um, it's the third longest MCU film at 2 hours and 27 minutes. And we have new characters, new problems, and a whole lot of action. And I have to mention everything, because every detail matters in Civil War. So, yeah, okay, let's go. I'll start with the first few scenes, setting up the story, and then I'll go back to characters and themes, you know, the drill, uh, and then I'll move on from there. We start the movie with a flashback involving Bucky, the Winter Soldier. It's 1991, and he's on a Hydra mission to incapacitate a vehicle and retrieve some bags with uh, blue fluid in them. The scene ends there, and we return to present-day Marvel business, where we see the Avengers on a mission in the city of Lagos, Nigeria. We have Captain America, Black Widow, Falcon and Wanda pursuing a lead on Brock Rumlow, played by Frank Grillo, who we had met in the Winter Soldier movie. And now he is using the moniker of Crossbones, a known Marvel Comics Captain America villain. We have an awesome first fight, one of the best in the franchise, in my opinion, Captain America and Black Widow show us some new cool moves. The combat is very slick. Falcon and Wanda's abilities and skill is also substantially improved, as they have become actual Avengers since Age of Ultron. The, um, the team-up moves are particularly awesome. The, the Russo brothers, who came back to direct this one as well, they just know how to do action so very well. I love it. Um, a fight between our Avengers and Crossbones with his goons follows, and in an act of selfish, wicked sacrifice, Rumlow blows himself up so he could take Cap with him as well. But that didn't happen, as Wanda was able to contain the, the explosion, send the villain skyward, and protect the civilians on the ground. Sadly though, the explosion was still too close to a nearby building, so there were many innocent casualties that day. Wanda's actions, a mistake really, is the inciting incident of the story. As a side note, I just wanted to add that it's a shame that Rumlow died. It could have been fun to keep him alive for future f movies as a side villain, because the MCU has <laughs> a habit of exterminating its villains left and right, so storing a B-level villain would have been nice but yeah moving on we then see another sort of flashback it seems with a uh, young Tony Stark interacting with his parents Howard and Maria Stark but something is not right something seems odd and that is because this is just a highly expensive memory time for Tony who is using the new barf technology uh, to create a holographic what-if of the last interaction he had with his father that had been in reality a very sour one. Again this movie tapped into what could have been 
a pleasant father-son relationship, something that has been explored since the first Iron Man movie, which I found really nice. Um, and after Tony decides to be very generous to a whole audience of smart students needing money for their projects, he runs into a lady. By that time, Tony's guilt over the past few years had been rising and rising, and Tony did the best he could to avoid feeling like a fraud. But this woman reminds him of what he and the Avengers have caused, which is collateral damage. Grave amounts of it. She had lost her son in Sokovia, where the, Avenger where the events of Age of Ultron had transpired. And she asks him, who is going to avenge her child? And Tony is speechless, but he's not, in a way, unresponsive. For what she told him stays with him going forward. After the incident in Lagos, the Avengers need to be put in check. And the Sokovia Accords have been written to ensure that. Who comes to deliver the news? Thaddeus, Thunderbolt, Ross, last seen in the Incredible Hulk movie, eight years prior to Civil War. I mean, wow. Now he is Secretary of State, Ross, and he presents a dilemma for the super team. Either operate according to the government's orders or retire. And this creates some conflict between the Avengers. Here we have, we get a hint at teams Cap and Iron Man with Falcon and Wanda agreeing with, with Steve that they would lose their right to choose. But Natasha, Rhodey and even Vision stand by Tony who believes that the Avengers need to have boundaries in order to be distinguished from the bad guys. Vision actually gives a very impressive, convincing speech as to why oversight is better than privatization. He says that the Avengers' strength invites challenge, which leads to conflict and thus catastrophe. And I can't help but see a point in his argument in Team Iron Man's stance. But I still also agree with Cap that they should have a choice in the battles they fight. So, <laughs> if someone were to ask me if I'm Team Cap or Team Iron Man, I literally cannot say. I cannot choose. I, I get both points of view. Both are valid and make sense inside this universe. It's honestly quite a dilemma and why this movie's story is so enticing. But this domestic... Civil War is not the only focus point of the story. Oh no, there is a threat lurking around in Helmet Zemo, played by Daniel Brawl. Let me use this moment to go back and talk about new characters. First, Zemo. In my opinion, he is one of the best villains of the MCU, not because of the physical threat he poses, because even though he's a soldier, his fighting skills are not used in any major way in the movie. Instead, he is a very intellectual danger to our team. His backstory and intentions are so well written, in my opinion, that there is not one two-dimensional motive or objective around him. He does not wish to kill millions or destroy an important landmark or get more money or power status. No, he, he operates from the shadows and his only goal is to destabilize the Avengers, much like Ultron wished to 
to tear the team apart from the inside, you know? Unlike Ultron, though, <laughs> he, he actually is successful. He's one of the few villains who got what he wanted at the end. So, what is uh, his backstory? What are his reasons for this? Once again, it's all about collateral damage. Zemo had lost his wife, his son, and father in Sokovia because of the Avengers' recklessness. And because the heroes seem to have no intention to redeem their terrible actions in that city, or felt no sense of guilt about it. So Zemo devises a plan to make that empire crumble from within. He knew he could not beat them face to face, but if he turned them against each other, there was a chance that the Avengers were no more. What he does is find out more about Mission Report, December 16th, 1991. He kidnaps a former Hydra agent and drills him about him, about about the about it, about the mission. And what I found interesting about this is that it is a consequence of the end of um, the Winter Soldier movie. Shield and Hydra's files were disclosed to the public at the end of that film, mostly encrypted. Yes, but Zemo had experience and patience, which I gotta respect. So he discovers something very fascinating about that particular event. So he chooses to go with it, to use that information for his plan. And I'll get into the specifics when we reach the final act. We have another two very, very important introductions to the MCU. Tom Holland plays Peter Parker, the third live-action Spider-Man in 15 years. And I gotta say, I think this was perfect casting. Holland is the right age, he's quite athletic, his Parker and his Spidey are on point in my opinion. Even though I grew up with Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, I still prefer Holland's webhead, just because of how they are using the character and its world. This might be a, an unpopular opinion, but hey, it's just one more opinion, guys, come on. We also finally get the Black Panther, T'Challa, played by the talented Chadwick Boseman, who has sadly passed away earlier this year, a tremendous loss to the world. Chadwick was a very kind soul, playing a superhero on screen and being a real one outside of it. He has inspired so many kids around the world with his portrayal of the King of Wakanda and the magnificent Black Panther and his... His passing was truly heartbreaking. It made the year 2020 even worse than it was, but Bozeman will not be forgotten and may he rest in power. His iconic portrayal of T'Challa is a joy to watch, so I'm going to try to keep my spirits up while I discuss this character's involvement in this movie and upcoming ones. Wakanda forever. Another new character we are introduced to is Everett Ross, played by the excellent Martin Freeman, plays a rather small part in this, in the story of this film, but he will return for Black Panther the movie in a more prominent role. Returning is Agent 13, played by Emily Van Camp. We saw her in Winter Soldier, and here Steve learns her full name, Sharon Carter, niece to Peggy Carter, who unfortunately passes away in her sleep in this movie, during the course of this movie. Sharon tells the people at Peggy's funeral that she used to say, compromise where you can, 
where we can't don't. And this moment helps Steve make up his mind about the accords with this notion of choice and what to do with it. I have to say though, it's it's weird that Feige and Marvel kept the storyline from the comics that um, Sharon and Steve were attracted to each other. I don't know, I think it's bad taste, all things considered, but yes, th those are the new and returning characters that I thought I should mention before continuing with the story, so let's go back, let's go back, yeah. There, there is a United Nations meeting regarding the Sokovia Accords, and it is unfortunately targeted, targeted by Zemo. Amongst the lives lost is King T'Chaka of Wakanda, T'Challa's father. Now... Zemo chose not to take credit for it. Instead, he made it so that Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier, was found guilty of the terrible event. And so, everyone is looking for Barnes now. Cap needs to find him before the government and T'Challa. And that leads him to Bucharest, where Bucky is lying low, not looking for trouble. But trouble finds him. And we get this fantastic action sequence starting in Bucky's apartment and ending on a traffic heavy road. Honestly, I have to repeat myself, the Russo brothers just know how to direct action so damn well. And this is, this is the first time we see T'Challa in his Black Panther suit. His combat technique is also beautifully coordinated. I just love it. Um, but the, the new king of Wakanda is not able to slay Barnes as he wanted, because the confrontation is stopped when the government shows up. Cap, Wilson and Bucky are put into custody, and the latter undergo, undergoes a strange interrogation, because it's not a doctor who is questioning Barnes, but Zemo himself, who has in his possession a notebook from Hydra that contains a verbal sequence that activates the ruthless winter soldier within Bucky. Which is just a great way to weaponize a person, guys. I, I thought so. Um, and yet, <laughs> Zemo is only looking for Mission Report, December 16th, 1991. Barnes is a distraction and also a confirmation for Zemo, who escapes while the Winter Soldier is fighting against T'Challa, Natasha, Sharon, Carter, Tony, and Steve. Bucky also has orders to escape but fleeing by helicopter is not enough because Steve just grabs the flying vehicle and pulls it towards the ground wow what a display of strength and will and also Chris Evans workout routine as well very badass and very very cool Rogers and Wilson are able to take a subdued Barnes to a hideout where they ask him what Zemo wanted to know he tells them Siberia, and that there's also more Winter Soldiers. Wow! What a plot twist. I, I wasn't really expecting that at all. But then again, there was this misdirection regarding what the final battle would look like. It appeared as though it would be Avengers versus the, the other um, Winter Soldiers, but now we know better. <laughs> I'll get into that in a bit, but I found that very clever and refreshing. So Cap needs allies in order to to beat Zemo's plans to stop them. 
and Tony needs allies so he can take Rogers and his friends into custody. The former finds help in a recently retired Hawkeye and also in newcomer Ant-Man who we met in the last movie. And Tony, well, he goes to Queens. Oh my god, guys. When I saw this scene in the movie theater, I had the biggest smile on my face. Honestly, Spider-Man is one of my favorite superheroes of all time. And I was so happy that Sony and Marvel had made a deal to have him show up in the MCU. Yeah, I'm, I'm just so grateful for that. Oh, yeah, and we also have Aunt May, who I forgot to mention before, played by Marisa Tomei, who is who looks much younger than the idea we usually have for that character, but I didn't mind that at all. Um, Tony also gets help from Black Panther and Vision, who had just been overtaken by Wanda when Clint came to rescue her from the Avengers facility. And she has this line where she, where she says she can't control everybody, everybody else's fears, only your own. And that speaks volumes to how Wanda is feeling about Lagos and her powers and her past, reiterating that she is a very tragic and also powerful character who is very misunderstood and treated either like a child or a weapon. Wanda is one of my favorite characters from the MCU without a question. Um, and most of that is because of this conflict she has within herself. I'm really, I'm really excited for WandaVision. Only a few more weeks left. Um, both teams converge at an airport where we have my favorite scene from the movie. It had to be this one, guys. It had to. And also a real taste for what Infinity War and Endgame would look like. We have 12 year heroes in one scene. That's the most we, uh, we had ever had in the MCU at that point. And only rivaled by the X-Men franchise. But that franchise, it was all about t the team, the X-Men team. So, yeah, here's... Here is a bit different than that. Um, even though there were many characters on screen, I believe all had their purpose, so there was no kind of overcrowding the movie, in my opinion. But yes, what a fight. Captain America versus Iron Man, Black Panther versus Winter Soldier, Black Widow versus Hawkeye, Wanda versus Vision, Falcon versus War Machine, and Spider-Man versus Ant-Man, both with a new suit which looked dope, very dope. Um, and I could talk <laughs> about every detail, every little moment in this fight, if I had the time. But I'll just mention the three important bits. First, Scott becomes Giant Man, which was just awesome and funny, because it's Paul Rudd. Um, secondly, Natasha betrays her team when she lets Steve and Bucky escape. And I think this comes back to a conversation they had, um, Steve and Natasha, in the last Captain America movie about having each other's backs, which I thought was a nice moment. And finally, sadly, Rhodey is paralyzed after Vision misses Falcon and hits War Machine with a beam of pure energy. Stark is able to give him some high-tech prosthetics, but Rhodey will never walk the same way again. And I have to say, after this, it's, Civil War is such a dark movie at some points. 
it has such a serious tone which i adore really differentiates it from the from the other from other mcu movies from the majority of it um and that's mostly due to the fact that the russo brothers are at the helm of the project winter soldier was also much more dramatic and in infinity war and endgame directed also by them even though we get a bit more comedy in there they are still two very serious movies that had a profound impact on me and the entire fandom anyway i thought i'd add this to to the episode because it's nice to have that contrast between for example ant-man which is mostly a comedy or like guardians of the galaxy and civil war so yeah the remainder of cap's team is sent to the raft a prison in the middle of the ocean very famous in the comics Supposedly, there are other villains in prison there, the ones who have survived from their encounters with our heroes over the time. But since Civil War, the raft hasn't really shown up on screen again. I hope that changes soon, though, in some TV show or, I don't know, uh, some movie. Um, I'm guessing She-Hulk, because I think Abomination was imprisoned in the raft, and now he's going to make an appearance in She-Hulk, so... Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Anyway, Stark finally realizes that Barnes was framed, so he goes to Siberia to help him and his fellow Avenger take out Helmut Zemo and the other Winter Soldiers. But when they arrive, the Winter Soldiers are dead in their pots. You see, Zemo didn't want any more of them. He used their existence as bait. His true objective was to show something something to Tony Stark, a video recording of December 16th, 1991. And in it, it is revealed that it was Bucky who killed Howard and Maria Stark. And in this uh, gut-wrenching moment, this huge plot twist, it's also revealed that Steve knew about this and hid it from Tony. What a what a dark moment in MCU history that propelled Tony to want to want to kill B Bucky or try to anyway. But Bucky is Steve's friend, and so was so is Tony or was Tony. The three men fight. Again, again, this action scene is really really well made and iconic. Um, and Cap is able to protect his friend Bucky from Tony's burning wish for vengeance. But yeah, vengeance is consuming them so much and it has consumed Zemo. Zemo now faces T'Challa who had followed Stark to this to the same location and Zemo actually apologizes to to T'Challa for for the death of T'Chaka and he attempts to commit suicide but he's, he's quickly stopped by the Black Panther who extinguished his need for revenge and tells Zemo that the living still have plans for for our quote-unquote villain of the movie. Meanwhile, Iron Man cannot keep up against both Captain America and Winter Soldier, and Steve is able to disable Stark, who violently reminds him that his shield was made by his, fa his father Howard, so Cap leaves the shield behind. He and Bucky escape, they free Falcon, Hawkeye, Wanda and Scott from the raft, 
And Steve sends a letter to Tony after that. In it, um, heartfelt apology and a promise that if Tony needs him, he'll be there. And I just think this was a great final moment. Easily one of my favorite endings of an MCU movie. Such a beautiful line. If you need me, I'll be there. I loved it so much. Um, as for the post credit scenes, we have confirmation that Spider-Man will return, obviously. And we see Bucky being put into a cryogenic pod in Wakanda so that they can help him trust his own mind again. And this scene also sets up Black Panther the movie. And yeah, guys, that <laughs> I believe that's it. <laughs> Even though this is one of my favorite movies, top three for sure, and even though I give it a 10 inside and a 9, nine outside the, the franchise, there are f just a few problems with it that I think I should mention. Of course, one can, can make a case regarding Zemo's plan and say that there were too many coincidences happening that made it successful. What I like to think is that he had contingencies in case something happened differently. He was a pretty smart and patient fellow, so... I'm sure he didn't leave anything to chance. A smaller thing that I have an issue with is the CGI on Tony's head when he's in the Iron Man suit at the at the airport. It just looks a bit weird. And this issue comes back in Infinity War as well, unfortunately. It's nothing major though. It's not like the the biggest plot hole in my opinion in this movie which happens in the final act. So Steve and Bucky leave the airport on a Quinjet. Destination Siberia. Only, only that's an only stop is Siberia. Stark and T'Challa travel to the raft before pursuing the other two, but they manage to arrive at the same location just minutes apart. So, is the Quinjet really slow or something, or were Stark and T'Challa flying really damn fast to catch up? I don't know, but I thought that it didn't make that much sense. Maybe there's a reason for it, but I couldn't find one. But yeah, like I said, overall, this movie is excellent. It is rather a rather serious film, but there are some cute and funny moments, such as the paprika scene, or when <laughs> Ant-Man meets Cap, really amusing stuff. We also get a sort of um, reason for Tony putting on the Iron Man suit um, in Age of Ultron. He tells Steve that he never wanted to stop being Iron Man, but because of Ultron and all of that, he has been losing Pepper. Therefore, his decision uh, in regards to the Accords is also based on that uh, almost broken up relationship. Which I thought was a good enough expla explanation for ruining the victory of Iron Man 3. But yeah, again, this movie is just great. It keeps you hooked from beginning to end and its themes of guilt, trust and faith in people are enticing and interesting, something we can all relate to. So I gotta say that phase three started off with a guaranteed win. And the episode is over my friends, longer than it could have been, maybe should have been, sorry, <laughs> but I had to talk this much about Civil War as it is a personal favorite of mine. The first time I was deeply moved by an MCU movie. It wouldn't be the last though, <laughs> no it wouldn't. 
we will be moving away from domestic conflicts and venturing to a much more mystical world tomorrow when we meet another new MCU character, Doctor Strange. So, I'll see you tomorrow, guys. Stay safe. Bye!